Hello, hello, and welcome to The Exchange Traded Fools, ETFs for short. I'm your co-host, Pranav. And I'm your co-host, Jundab. And today, we're going to be talking about the privatization of the NHS. Before we get on to that, Jundab, I actually have a, a bit of a problem that I need, I need some help with. Um, you see, now, we're both friends. You are, you are my friend, and uh, I, I, I would always refer to you as Junda, but then there was uh, the introduction of the economics review, and I resorted to calling you chief, since you are the editor-in-chief. Oh, thank you. But then we started the podcast, so then I was like, are you a fellow fool? However, I'm now unsure whether to remain calling you a fellow fool or champ, since you are a a math (laughs) Super League champion. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thank you very much. Uh, I'll go by co-host for now. Uh, All right. Exchange Trader Fools is my my number one passion. Uh, This is is my my duty and my job. So uh, I'd like to go by co-host, please. All right. Now now that we've got the important business out of the way, (laughs) let's get started. (laughs) All right, yeah. Okay, uh, privatization of the NHS. Now, uh, I'm just going to quickly go over what the NHS is for um, the viewer, uh, the listeners out there. So the NHS stands for the National Health Service. They are the health service of the United Kingdom. Now, um, one of the, I suppose, biggest parts of the NHS is that they are obviously publicly funded. Uh, they are not private. Uh, but today we will be discussing pr- the advantages and disadvantages if they were to go private. Essentially, uh, the NHS is free at the point of delivery, so anybody uh, who is sick walks in and they will get their treatment. Okay, this is uh, vastly different from some other countries where uh, you will need to pay, you know, extortionate amounts. Well, well, yeah, I suppose extortionate amounts, but the NHS is free at the point of delivery. Now, some statistics as well. Uh, the NHS is the largest UK employer and the fifth largest in the world employing around 1.5 million people in the United Kingdom. So they provide livelihood to about 1.5 million people. Uh, They are obviously high-performing, very efficient, and uh, they they have evolved over time, and they were launched in 1948. Uh, Yeah, and that's what the NHS is. Now, we're going to be discussing... uh, you know, the advantages and disadvantages if it were to go private. Pranav? Yeah, so, um, you know, this has been a topic of debate for quite some time now. Um, and I think it largely stems from the issues with the current structure of the healthcare system and the way the NHS works in the UK. So I'd, I'd say the, the main issues with the NHS are that um, there's, sort of, there's sort of five main issues. So uh, one of them is that there is insufficient funding. So of course, on the surface of it, it's just insufficient insufficient funding. You know, what does this mean? So that has um, caused uh, the NHS to have extremely long wait times because they can't keep pace with increasing demand. So what this means is that there are people who are in need of you know, urgent health care and they actually have health problems. And instead of being treated, um, you know, as intended, uh, Jinda, you mentioned that, you know, they just walk in and they're able to be treated for free. Uh, at the point of delivery, at least. So it's, you know, of course, that was the idea, but it's unfortunately no no longer like that with these long wait times where you can't just walk in. You're often, you know, waiting for a long time, for hours, you know, maybe just to see a, uh, a GP. Um, and even for more complex treatments, you're put on a wait list. 
Um, so you can't have access to that treatment, you know, anytime soon. Um, another uh, issue with the NHS are the staff uh, shortages. So I guess this ties into the fact that they can't keep pace with increasing demand. And, you know, with a lack of staff, it's really hard to maintain this healthcare system as the backbone of the country. Uh, additionally, they have a pretty large backlog since COVID-19. I think, as we know, like COVID put healthcare systems all over the world under pressure, you know, to to see that many people come in with a disease that, you know, maybe you don't know much about is surely a shock to, to most systems. And um, it, it was uh, with the NHS where they have a huge backlog. And then additionally, people just have evolving healthcare needs. You know, you have new technology coming out that, you know, is helping save lives. And if you're unable to pay for that and people are un- unable to have access to it, it's, I mean, the human cost to the to having a lack of treatment is something that can't truly be expressed because you're dealing with lives at the end of the day. For sure. And, I mean, you said that they were underfunded, uh, which probably explains the... Um, <laughs> I need to stop saying... Um, explains the worker strikes we saw just over a year ago with NHS uh, staff, essential medical staff, going on strike... And this is still an ongoing issue for sure. They were advocating for higher pay, especially the uh, junior medical staff. They, they were overworked, tired, and severely underpaid, which is what they were saying. And the uh, ambulance services notably went on strike. Uh, the, we saw an uh, ambulance service strike, the nurses strike, and in response... The government said that the pay offered to nurses was appropriate and fair. These were the words of Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. Um, So despite the severely um, underfunded medical staff claiming that they weren't being paid enough. And when you think about the fact that going through medical school, well, not in the UK, in the UK, straight after high school, you're able to, I suppose, study medicine. But I'm not too sure, but I'm pretty sure... Um, <laughs> going down the path of um, medicine and joining the health service is one of the toughest career paths in life. Uh, you, it takes an incredibly long time. You need to pay lots for your education. And in exchange, when you come out of the uh, education sector and you join the workforce, if you are then overworked, you know, loads and loads and loads of hours a day, operating, well not operating, but helping out in the hospital, and then being underpaid, that is rather infuriating. So we saw these uh, medical staff strikes go on just about a year ago. As I said before, it's still an ongoing issue. And there has been a a bit of a brain drain, I suppose, with medical staff moving abroad due to higher pay. And let's not forget that um, funding the NHS was actually one of the like talking points to do with Brexit. I don't know if you remember, but there was this uh, internet famous big red bus. Now on the bus, it says, we send the EU 350 million pounds a week. Let's fund our NHS instead. Now it's a big red bus. This is what the conservatives used to back Brexit. Now, obviously that statement is not exactly what it appears to be. There's a bit of a, you know, there's some, there's some stuff behind the scenes that, Uh, This money obviously comes, like this money in part comes from the EU as well. And if you leave the EU, you don't suddenly just have an extra 350 million pounds to spend on the NHS. That's, 
unfortunately not how it works. So yes, you uh, you are right. I think that it is underfunded. Otherwise, we wouldn't be seeing these worker strikes, and perhaps um, the workers wouldn't be demanding higher pay or, as they claim, fair pay. Yeah, no, it's certainly unfortunate to see. I mean, you know, you mentioned that uh, to go to medical school and to become a doctor or work in the the national health services. It's not easy. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, they grow up with the dream of being a doctor just simply because they want to help people. And it, they, they are some of the most hardworking people out there because of the amount of work that goes into becoming a nurse or a doctor or um, someone working in the NHS. And it's really unfortunate to see um, how, you know, stre- how much stress the system is under um, because of, you know, maybe insufficient funding and a bunch of other issues. So... I think, you know, that sort of outlines the problems with uh, the NHS and sort of talks about its current state. But, you know, where do we go from here? What what are the solutions? Well, one of the solutions that some people would argue is the privatization of the NHS. This obviously will have some advantages, but it would also bring about lots of disadvantages. Now, one can argue that if you uh, privatize the um, medical sector, that the health Workers will be able to be paid more. Uh, they would you know, have higher wages. Now, in exchange, one of the key problems is that we are compromising universal health care because by privatizing health care, we are essentially rationing out the low-income earners from accessing essential health care because they might not be able to afford private health care. And they benefit from having these... Universe, uh, universal public free healthcare that the NHS is able to provide to them and what do we think here yeah no I mean I, I totally agree that is of course as we mentioned previously uh, one of the uh, more frequently talked about solutions um, just to go back to what private uh, privatization exactly is so any of you A-level economics students or even GCSE would know that privatization is a supply-side policy and it essentially means taking a government sector, in this case, the NHS, and making it private. Um, and I, I'd say this is largely because uh, oftentimes government uh, organizations, they're not as efficient. Uh, and they're, sorry, they're not run as efficiently. So therefore, taking it private would, you know, help increase, you know, the efficiency of, of a way, you know, for example, a business or the, the sector is run, um, while also maybe helping to increase the quality of output, in this case, uh, healthcare. Um so yeah, I think this is definitely a, a very interesting option. You know, as uh, as you mentioned, Jinda, not everyone can afford it, and you know that is currently the state of private healthcare in the UK now. It's a very niche market um, because it is extremely, extremely expensive, and in order to to be able to afford that, you would have to be quite wealthy. So, um, of course, privatization is an option, and it is seen as probably the most likely option, but. There is another another um, strategy that I actually find quite interesting, which is a two-tiered system. So where you have sort of one area that provides a... That, that is government-funded, that provides basic healthcare needs, very basic, whereas uh, if you need something a bit more specialized or if you can afford it, um, then the second tier would be one with less wait times and, you know, private, whereas... So it would almost be like splitting the current NHS into two, where if you're willing to pay a little bit more, you would be able to get access to that better and faster service. What, what do you think about that, Jinda? It's a potential hybrid between... Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. this, I think 
uh, that has its benefits because for the essential services, those who earn less and are more unfortunate are able to still access these essential services that will allow them to maintain their livelihoods and continue living you know, healthily. And this private option will allow those who are more wealthy to fast track and access healthcare that are perhaps more specialized and non-essential. There is one problem is that it does sort of create like a bit of a divide. And those on For low sure. wages, those who can't afford the best access, the best healthcare, would could possibly argue that, in fact, they, they, they could argue that they aren't being treated fairly because they can't access the market at this uh, high price that would be introduced at this two-tier system. But private healthcare would provide much more options, and we would definitely see competition because right now, uh, you could even argue it's a monopoly. It's, it's just the only, NHS is the only one. You don't really have much <laughs> options. Whereas if it's private, you could see the rise of many, many different uh, firms that would provide healthcare, and this friendly competition could perhaps even you know enhance more innovation, which is uh, you know one of these things we learn at, at A level economics. Uh, encourages competition, which would benefit the consumer, perhaps in the long run. But right now, mm, what do you think? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with with that. I mean, seeing more firms enter the market for healthcare could certainly, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it creates competition. It comes down to that. And when you have competition, you you maybe work uh, harder, you try slightly harder in order to improve your service because you want people to choose you and. Um, the assumption, of course, is that firms are profit maximizers. So um, having that will will, um, will will allow, you know, for hopefully better service, um, which is essential because, I mean, we're talking about healthcare here. We're talking about people's lives. And the, the better that can get and the more accessible it can get for people uh, can only be good. So, yeah. We'll, we'll... For, I mean, you're right for sure. But the NHS, I, in my opinion is one of Britain's most prized possessions. By providing mm-hmm. this universal healthcare, everyone is able to access the exact same healthcare, no matter what race you are, how much money you make, and your individual circumstances. You're able to access these life-saving medications and treatment from some of the world's top doctors, graduate, uh, graduates from some of the world's best universities and medical schools. You're able to access this, and all you... Well, you don't even have to pay... Uh, you pay through your taxes, and if you earn less, well, then you pay less taxes. Yes, you're still ac- you're still able to access the exact same health services, and this clearly, I, I you know, you some could argue that, in fact, it actually even forges unity, brings together the British people under one medical service. Yeah, I mean, I I totally agree. This is you know definitely one of uh, the UK's greatest assets, um, and it's. It's almost something that they're very well known for. So I think that's a, it's a super interesting topic and we have to see how it pans out because it's it's a very interesting um, case that, you know, I suppose we've got on our hands. And um, I think personally, it's just super uh, interesting to see this kind of debate uh, as an A-level economic student because, you know, this is the stuff you learn about in lesson in school. And to be able to see it in the real world, I think, really helps enhance one's understanding of how exactly this works. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And I actually have this very interesting statistic here. Now, 9 in 10 people agree that healthcare should be free of charge, 
and more than five in four agree that care should be available to everyone. This was uh, last. Uh, this was just over half a year ago on the uh, official NHS England side. So this actually just proves that the people want this type of service. They they like and admire this model specifically, which I think is uh, very democratic. If this is what the people want, then why not? Let's go for it. And there, of course, you did mention some of the problems associated is that there uh, is a lack of funding and the essential medical staff who work so hard to provide the best health care for British nationals. They uh, argue that they are underpaid and not treated fairly. Now, when you work so hard, spend those long hours in the hospital, you, of course, want to have a good pay to have a high standard of living after giving back so much. And I totally have sympathy for these um, medical staff. However, you know, if you're underfunded, there's really not much you can do. And these strikes, uh, uh, they've stopped in severity and... Uh, how and frequency, but uh, you know it's it's we can still remember it as if it was yesterday, and the problem is still ongoing as uh, medical staff still campaign for higher wages. Now the problem that I mentioned earlier about staff leaving the country, this is this is a big problem because this will just create a further strain on the uh, NHS, and I'm not uh, I remember um, there was a government proposed it was like a three stage plan. Uh, the proposed by the conservative government a while back, and well, uh, people weren't too happy about it. Let's just say, and it, it wasn't the solution. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess um, that that definitely uh, puts it quite well. Where you know, of, of course, the people want free healthcare because um, it, it's free at the end of the day, and uh, you know, you're getting your health uh, at least supposedly taken care of. So. I think this is definitely one to watch, and um, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Jinder. I was just going to use some uh, cheeky A-level economics terminology there. Uh, While we know that the NHS is publicly funded through taxpayer money, you know, taxes, uh, you know, withdrawal from the circular flow of income. All right, all right. (laughs) And, well... Uh, So we know that if we were to fund the NHS even further, we would likely have to raise taxes or another option would be to divert spending on other areas. Now, uh, I believe healthcare uh, healthcare has positive externalities. Now, I remember um, my economics teacher in GCSEs telling, and she used this very specific example, which was that if we, you know, have these taxes uh, and spend more on healthcare, people that are sick are actually able to get treated quicker, faster, for free, without a burden, and they're able to join the workforce faster. Now, this, exactly. is, this is what GCSE economics teaches you, everyone. So, yeah, uh, it is, you know, these positive externalities that are associated, that improve productivity, just show the benefits of the NHS. And when we compare models of healthcare, let's just compare it to the United States, where healthcare is private. Now, uh, you know, you can see these on the internet all the time. That these extortionate prices in the USA for healthcare—I mean, the price of insulin is crazy. It is uh, so much less affordable. Oh, oh, I can't speak English. It is way less affordable than it is in the UK. And these essential drugs and medications are essential for survival for a large number of people. By privatizing healthcare, yes, you do get faster treatment, and some one could argue you could even get better treatment. But, you know, the price is one of the most important factors because we need to think about um, those that are earning less, 
than the you know the, those that are on minimum wage or those that are on benefits they aren't able to access the private health care so perhaps they they would certainly i would assume prefer the nhs model however those on higher incomes perhaps would prefer a private model where they're able to access higher quality and at a much faster pace yeah i mean i i, I see your view there it's very it, it's it, it's it's a very long run um sort of way to look at things you know where if you're able to get people who are not doing so great get them better and get them back into the economy or ultimately you're creating economic growth um as we <laughs> learn in in economics right so um yeah i i think that that is also i guess another uh side effect of having you know a strong healthcare system it's just that you you can have more people fit and healthy um you know that's good just because of course you want people fit and healthy but also from an economic standpoint that that turns out to be beneficial um and yeah i think i think we've got uh, we've gone quite over time uh discussing this topic it's been quite interesting um but yeah i think this is definitely super interesting to watch and see what happens especially um as an economic student just to see this play out uh yep that would be all thank you so much for tuning in if you're still here until now uh, we really appreciate your time and uh, we obviously, as usual, would like any all feedback, just drop it in. Yeah, and we'd also like to give a special thank you to actually one of our classmates, um, a fellow economist, but also a biologist uh, who goes by the name of Shivani. And she actually gave us this idea uh, to discuss this topic. So just a special thank you to her and thank you guys for listening. And of course, as Jinda said, please let us know if you have any feedback. Thank you and see you next time.